beginning with verse 1 through verse 17. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be, a, be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he has endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. What image or what feelings come to mind when I say the word surrender? Surrender. Surrender. That is the definition for the word in verse 17, which is our focus verse this morning. That is the definition for the word submit. We are told by the author of Hebrews that we are to obey and we are to submit to those that God has placed in authority over us. We're to surrender to our leaders. How do you feel about that? If you're like me, you bristle with this term, surrender. And when you are commanded, and not simply, uh, when, you, when you see it as a command to submit... You pull back, you brace, you say no. There is 
an independence that wells up in our heart that surprises us. Why is that? Can you think of an instance in your past where someone in authority over you told you to submit? To submit to the rules? To surrender to their will? And perhaps... It was an unpleasant experience. But even more than history, we resist this this condition to surrender and to surrender to those in authority over us because there's still resident in our heart a will that stands out in independence against any that would lead us. And that will needs be won over or persuaded to surrender and submit. And there's only one that can do that, and that is the leader that all leaders are to follow, the leader, Jesus Christ. For he does not come to break the will, but he comes to persuade the will by the gospel of his grace and his love and the price that he has paid for our love, ransomed us, going outside, being taken outside and and, and, and crucified in our place that we might be received, that we might come under his love. He comes to our will and he doesn't crush it and say, surrender. He comes to us, and he, as it were, transforms our will, that we're glad to submit and surrender. What I would like this morning, in this homily this morning, what I would like for you to do, and I'm praying as I have prayed, for the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of your heart, that you might behold, verse 8 and verse 17 and that you might see that it is Jesus Christ who is still and ever the leader that we submit to even as we submit and we surrender to the leaders that he has ordained and will install to lead us. Verse 8 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday And today and forever, that his heart, his desire to shepherd our heart and to rule over us in love has never changed. And his plan is to do so, to continue to do so with those shepherds and deacons, with those leaders that he has put in the place over us. So to surrender to their lead is to surrender to Jesus Christ who is the same yesterday, today, and forever as he leads us. The elementary school principal, as I sat in his office, once again, he no longer had to call my parents to whip me. And that was way back in the days, you can't even imagine this, but the day where a principal where you would, hands on his desk, 
whether he had a strap or a, 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 a ruler or a board, would give you the licks. And as I stood up there again and put my hands on the desk, he said, Mr. Stogner, now I'm in elementary school. He said, Mr. Stogner, why are you in my office again? The teacher says that you're being disrupted. The teacher says that you have told her that you will not do something that she has asked you to do. And I used to not have these problems with you when you were in Miss Sloan's class. But now that you're in Miss Chandler's class, I'm having these problems way too often. Miss Sloan, sir, is beautiful. Miss Sloan, sir, loves me, and I'm going to marry her one day. I had a heart's crush on Miss Sloan like you would not believe, and she was single. So she was still available to a guy in the second grade. But in the third grade, I had Miss Chandler. And Miss Chandler, apart from being physically different and being married, she did not communicate that she loved me. She did not ask, she told. She did not persuade my little heart, but she demanded my little heart fall in line and obey, both in the same elementary school, with the same rules, with the same position of authority over my young heart. But one, I would follow, and I would carry to an altar where it allowed. I would give my life for one. And another, I had to follow kicking and screaming. It was as if, it was as if one was coming to lead me by force from behind, where the another was leading from the front, beckoning and calling me forward. And if you look, at both verse 7 and verse 17, that word for leaders, that word for leader is hegemon. And it means the one who is up front. Or it means the one who is forward of us at the point. Or it means the one that goes first. That's what a leader is. A leader is someone who is up front. And they're forward of our position and they're going first. They're leading from the front, not herding from the rear. The category difference between leading as a shepherd and a cattleman is that a shepherd goes up front and calls by name and voice the sheep and they follow him into safe places. They trust him. A cattleman herds from the rear with a whip or a horse or a prod or a dog, but he herds. And God is saying that he loves his people, that he will give them a shepherd and leaders like the Lord Jesus Christ who leads from the front even to the sacrificing of their own life. 
and that they would lead in love. This morning, I want to encourage you to Rivers Presbyterian Church as we very soon are to install new officers. I want to encourage you to obey and to submit to them as you would follow them, even as you will follow the Lord Jesus Christ in authority over you. Because these are men who we have come to see follow Jesus. And no, they're not perfect men. None of us are. But they are humbled men. They are men that with all of their faults and their shortcomings and their imperfections love Jesus. And they can be trusted. They know our weaknesses. And with all of their faults, they're found to repent again and again and again. I need them to lead me as well. You need them to lead you. Wait a minute, Phil. How do I, how do you, what do you mean I need? I'm doing pretty good by myself. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I don't need any man to watch over my soul, as it says in verse 17, that they are keeping watch over your soul and that one day they'll stand before God and give an account. I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. Can you look at the list the lengthy list of things that are on our life list that we're to reflect and we're to practice and apply as Christians and say that you do not need role models, you do not need people to teach you, to pray for you, to encourage your heart, to stand alongside of you, and to restore you, come after you and restore you if we fail. We all do. I do. The author of Hebrews, and time does not permit me to go specifically into the Scriptures, though I can tell you, I've I've got it here. I've got ten different passages cited in Hebrews. That the author comes, the letter of Hebrews is written to a church that is not Gentile, but is Jewish. And they're they're rather, they're rather tired and weary. They're really tired and weary of this Christian life. Because you see, this Hebrews was written somewhere within 30 years after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. These were those same Jewish believers, many of them that came to faith under the ministry of Jesus Christ and then his apostles. Nero is on the throne. And Nero has proclaimed that there are certain pagan religions and there's Judaism as well that is legal, but not Christianity. Christianity will put a price on your head. Christianity will not get you promoted in the workplace. Christianity will not allow you to go to certain schools. Christianity will keep you out of certain marriage alliances or communities. Christianity puts you in their arena facing a lion. And these Jewish believers, and they are believers, are beginning to retract and pull back. And there's instances in Hebrews that the author will say, 
don't forget the day of our meeting. In other words, we haven't been seeing you in church that met in the home as often. You begin to pull away from the flock. Also, he would begin to say, it's as if you're beginning to live now more by those ceremonial laws rather than the love and the grace of the gospel, the freedoms that you have now in Christ as his son, his daughter. He will come to them and he'll say, you were once standing firm, but now you're tottering. He would come to them and he would say, you're on the edge of a knife, ready to fall off and to go back, to go back to Judaism and to leave Jesus Christ. And then he tells them in his concluding remarks in chapter 13, let brotherly love continue. Stay in the fold. Love one another, your new brothers and sisters. Love one another. And then he begins to describe the list. Now, on my prayer cards... I, one of my prayers is the list. It's Hebrews 13. And I've got, you can do your own list, but I've got, as I count through, I've got 15 things, 15 things on my list. Continue in brotherly love, show hospitality to strangers, remember those in prison, feel and assist mistreated people. Feel it. If somebody's mistreated, I feel that injustice in my heart, or I feel the, the pain. Honor marriage with purity. Love, live free from love of money. Number seven, be content with what Jesus has given me. Number eight, imitate leaders that God has put in my life. Number nine, stay away from strange teachings. Continue to feed my heart with grace. Number ten, Seek the city that is to come to think about heaven a lot. Number 11, offer up a sacrifice of praise, lips that will acknowledge him. Number 12, do not neglect any opportunity to do good. Number 13, share what you have. Number 14, obey and submit to leaders above me and around me. Number 15, pray for missionaries, ministries, and leaders. I will never... I will never get there. I will never, for the glory of Christ, for, for the growth of his kingdom, to be able to stand before God and say, you gave, you gave me the charge. And I responded with all of my heart and my life and my strength without leaders. Never gonna happen. And if my heart retracts from leaders around me in independence, then I will be neutralized, as it were, when this list comes before me. I won't be able to do it on my own. The Latin base for encourage, or excuse me, French, it comes from the courage, it comes from French, that word is courage. So to encourage someone is to speak courage into their heart. Leaders are to come to us and they're to speak the very words of God from His Word.
to our heart. They're to, to look for every opportunity to assist us with this list. And this list is not a bunch of rules in order to please God. It's what a life in response to God's love looks like. It's how to keep brotherly love the main thing in our church, and our congregation. And that's what leaders are charged to do because that's what Jesus saw as his mission. To bring us the love of God and to receive our response of love in worship. That was his mission. And he says, this is what it looks like. This is what love looks like. And we need leaders to get there. Now, I'm probably way off the outline. And this is supposed to be a homily and not a sermon. Oh, excuse me. That'll wake you up. But if you look down to the second part of the outline, I shall, in verses 7 and in verse 17, there are at least five things that as followers we're to do to follow those who lead us. Five things. And can I challenge you to consider doing these five things? Can I challenge you to do even one thing? I do think that they are, they, they're, they're, they're somewhat prioritized here. But can I challenge you to begin to prayerfully consider applying one of these things toward leaders? First of all, remember, verse 7 says, remember your leaders. Now, the word here is those immemorial. It's not talking about the new leaders at Two Rivers Presbyterian Church. And it's not simply talking about the current leaders in Two Rivers Presbyterian Church. It's talking about men or women. It's talking about people that God has used as leaders in our spiritual life, our Christian walk, our journey, our, our transformation into men and women of God. Men and women that God has used as leaders in our life. And the term here is for those that are in the past. And it's used as those in the past that may very well have been or have deceased. It can be people it could be a mom or a dad or a Sunday school teacher. It could be an elder or a deacon or a Bible study leader. It could be someone that a, a teacher in school or a, a next door neighbor, but anybody that God used from his heart and words to lead us, and that we would remember them. And the reason it needs to be someone in the past or long-term in the present, a long time of observation, is that we would come to conclude by looking and considering, once we remember them, we would consider the trajectory of their life. We would see that they're not a hypocrite, that they've been tried in all types of weather, and that they are tried and they are true. They really are of the Lord. And you need a lot of time for that. Sometimes it takes a, a lifetime. We've all been hurt by leaders who have proven to be hypocritical, are not ambitious for us to succeed in Christ, but ambitious for themselves. But here he's saying, consider. And that word means to way and to do an evaluation. And what are you looking for? It tells us 
In Titus 2.9, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. A man of the word, of God's word. God's words to him, God's love letters to him, God's message to his own heart. He's always speaking out of that. Now again, it may not be a direct quote, but he is someone that is familiar, that is immersed, that is saturated, that is transformed, that he becomes God's walking word. Even as he is led by Christ's words, then so he leads others. In other words, he's not always putting forward his opinion, his thoughts, his words, but Christ. We also find in 1 Timothy 3.9, they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. A couple weeks ago I said that the mystery... When the word mystery comes up, that's usually a tale for the Holy Spirit. But there's someone that you see the activity of God in their life. You, You see humility. You see trust. You see deep faith. They become trustworthy because they really are trustworthy. Consider it. Consider our leaders. And again, we're not trying to hold some high standard that, that, that no man can meet. But do you see humility, patience? Do you see them following God, the Lord? Thirdly, we're told to imitate them. We're told to imitate them, and that is imitate their actions. Imitate their words. Imitate their faith. Imitate their prayers. Imitate how they love other people. Now here is where we must realize that we're not simply imitating a a man, but the Christ that we see playing out in their life, we're imitating Christ. Paul said, imitate me, but imitate me in as much as I'm imitating Christ. And that's what a leader does. A, A leader, if you look at the chain of command, is saying, This is the way the general wants it done. And then the colonel, to the major, to the captain, to the lieutenant, to the private, they say, this is what the company looks like. This is what, this is what you're imitating. The mission, the goal. And if you look, one of the models there is verse uh, 13. Let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. In other words, representing that, recognizing that again, Christ is the great Savior of sinners. And there's no scandal in being with a Savior who has sacrificed his very life for sinfully weak people. There's no scandal for us to also to have a heart for sinful men and women and weak men and women. Because that's his heart. And if you want to know where you'll find Christ, You'll not find him so much in a, in, a, in a theological meeting with righteous men as much as you'll find him with sinners. Where is that? And do you see our leaders there? And do you see our leaders, as it were, going in after people and not simply holding them 
at a distance. Imitate them. Obey. Now here's where we start to bristle. But can I... Can I... Let me... This is where our heart has to shift. And only the Holy Spirit can do this. The word for obey comes from the Latin to listen. And it also means to be persuaded. So to obey is to listen and then to be persuaded and then volitionally or with the will, I respond. Now if I come to you and I say at the point of a sword, obey, listen, then with that sword at your heart, you're going to listen but you're not going to like it. And you're going to listen out of great fear. And we see many people in the Christian community, at times ourselves, who obey out of fear, worried that God is going to pierce my heart, He's going to make me have a car wreck, He's going to make me lose my job or my health, or He's going to, do, he's going to get me if I don't obey. The gospel would have none of that. Christ would have none of that. But what if listening, what if obeying is not the point of the spear pointed to me, but the point of the spear pointed toward my enemies? What if I'm not in front of the sword, but I'm behind the one that has the sword and says, I will fight for this people. I will slay the sin that would kill them. I will guard their heart. I will protect my people against any foe, any opposition, any enemy. Would you follow that one? Would you listen to that one? If you knew that there was no chance alone, would you rally to that one? I think about Gladiator, where Maximus is there in the holding pen, getting ready to go in the ring in the arena. And the men are frightened around him. And they've always fought independently. And one of them begins to really cower, and they're all afraid. But they look over, and Maximus is not afraid. But he doesn't look simply stoic and hardened, but he's not afraid. And one of them says, you're in the army, right? You led men. Yes. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And he says, when we go out there, we don't know what's going to come out. We don't know what's going to come out against us. But I know this. We stand a better chance in facing it if we face it together rather than alone. And they go out and they face it together as they rally around him. He didn't bark orders. He didn't make them fearful. But they said, that's a man we will listen to. That's a man that would persuade us. That's a man, finally, that we will follow. That's a man that we'll surrender to. Gladly surrender to him. We'll give him where we're, our weaknesses because of his love. He is one that we can follow. We'll surrender to Him. 
And then we'll follow him wherever he leads. I've got to conclude. I want to encourage you to see that we at Two Rivers pray that, that we will have leaders that are worthy to follow, but not worthy in and of themselves, but worthy because they're following Christ Jesus. And that Christ Jesus has given to them, and he tells us and invites our hearts once again to trust, to trust, to have done with our fears of authority over us, and to trust that these would lead us in love, even in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you follow them, don't make, I love it, that the author here of Hebrews kind of concludes with verse 17. He says, don't make their life hard. Okay? Don't make their life hard. And it's as if to say, follow them even as you would follow Christ. Don't make them come get you. Don't make them, don't be a stubborn sheep. Don't be one that continues to live independent of serving and worshiping and joining in the community. And even as you follow them, be very open that God himself, Jesus Christ, the leader of all leaders, is in the habit of taking his followers that are very close to him and turning them into leaders as well. That they might lead others to experience this Christian life led by love, led by a loving leader all the way home. Let us pray. Let's pray as we invite our worship team to come forward again. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your holy word. Lord, this is what